Hey, it's Amber Smith. Welcome to the Conscious Coach Podcast. Okay, so today we're talking about your offer. And I mentioned in the email that it doesn't matter if you feel like, you know, I've made a lot of offers. I feel like I kind of got this. Or if you're like, I'm still nervous about making offers and I'm nervous and wherever you are in the spectrum today is going to be helpful because we're going to combine some of like the tactical strategic stuff, like how you feel. And I think when you combine the strategy with like the knowledge, right, I believe in true principles. This is not just a, how do you feel type of business. I really feel like it's a combination, right? With like how you feel your beliefs and are you aligning with principles that work? And so today is really going to be a mesh. Making offers is how we let people know we're open for business, right? So we talked about your impact. We talked about the money you want to make. We talked about your identity. And then offers is the bridge between you and your clients. Like how do they know how to work with you? This is how. So I'm going to go through some of the questions. You've probably heard iterations of this before. Like I said, I don't want you to listen for agreement this week. I want you to listen for the insight, the perspective, what's coming up for you. So when you think about if offers are the way that I let people know I'm open for business, one, you have to be telling people. And we're going to talk about that at the end. First, we're going to kind of go through this exercise that I want you to consider for each individual offer. If you have multiple offers, please feel free to do these for all of them or the ones that you feel like you're struggling with or you want to kind of revamp, (laughs) feel energized by again. If you only have one offer, that's perfect. We're going to go through what I call the five P's. I don't think I'm the only one that talks about these P's. I think I might have a different perspective. So I'm going to share my screen again so you can see it as well. As we're going through this, feel free to ask any questions for clarity. And like I said, just pay attention to what's going on for you. So the first P is person. We talked about yesterday or last night, who's swimming towards me? Who's the person that I feel naturally inclined to serve? For a lot of you guys, you are the niche. It's something that you went through, that you overcame, and now you feel like you have something to share. This is not a problem. I read a beautiful book called Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. And he talks about this idea that like in the beginning, our personal journey is all about our own growth, right? Like maybe it's something that you personally struggled with or you wanted to learn and then you had some sense of mastery and you got results and you're like, I need to tell everyone. That's how coaching was for me. When I started learning principles of coaching, I started blogging about them. I just wanted to share. I'm like, everyone needs to know this. Like I majored in psychology. I have a bachelor's in it. I almost had a master's in something related to psychology and I never learned this stuff. And I was like, everyone needs to know. (laughs) And so I started blogging about it and talking about it. And that's kind of how I found coaching. And so for a lot of you, that's going to resonate. That it's like, you are the niche. Some of you, that's not going to resonate. It's someone that you want to help because your heart goes out to them. I had a client that I worked with for a long time who helped missionaries for our church. And that would not be her being the niche, right? She saw a problem in the marketplace she wanted to serve. Some of you are really going to resonate with that. Some of you are going to resonate with, I am the niche. This is something I've experienced. And now I help people. It doesn't really matter. I like to think through like, what are they thinking? What do they want? What are they struggling with? And as we go through the rest of the P's, this will start to come alive. The next P is the promise or the outcome that you help people get. Sometimes this is really simple. It's like, I help people feel better. I help people get in healthy relationships. I help people get healthy. I help people have better menstrual cycles. Ashley, I see your face. So I'm going <laughs> to shine a light on you and have a better relationship with their body or whatever. 
And I don't want you to overthink this. I think one of the mistakes that I made in the beginning was I tried to be so nuanced and so different than people that I would see online that I missed the point of what I was trying to articulate. And so it can be, I help people feel better. I help people live better lives. I help people make more money. I help people declutter their house. What's the big promise? We're going to go through these in order, and then we're going to go deep into each one. The next one is the process. And this is what most people think of when they think of an offer. It's like, I work with you for six months. We meet weekly. You have access to me through email. These are all the details. And that's a good word that you might include. These are all the details of your actual offer. Pretty straightforward for that one. This is one that I like to think of as like two sides of the same coin to the promise. So if the promise is what I help them create or achieve, the problem is the thing that they don't want, that they're experiencing now that they usually find me for. What problem is going on in their life or series of problems is going on that you support them in solving? And like I said, if you have any particular questions, go ahead and put it in the chat so I can address it. The next one is the price. So those are the five Ps that I'm going to be referring to today. Whenever I have an idea for an offer, these are the things that I outline. It just gives me that, like, I know what I'm doing, right? So when people ask me about it, I can clearly articulate it. In the beginning, especially if you're new to making offers, this can feel really intimidating to, like, actually put an offer out. This is, like, the little outline you might do on, like, an Instagram story or an email just to get practice. So then the next thing I want you to consider is these questions. How do I feel about this P? <laughs> so you're going to go through and be like, how do I feel about the person I've identified in this exercise? Like, I love to feel inspired by my clients. I love to think about their growth. I love to think about what they want, what they're creating. So the words that I like to look for is like inspired, excited, love. I like to feel love for the people that I want to work with. If I feel intimidated, if I feel bored, I know that that's a sign that I might need to shift who I'm imagining is the person that I help. How do I feel about this promise? Do I feel like it's believable? Do I feel excited to offer it? Do I feel excited to talk about it? Do I feel like a certain sense of certainty within myself that this is an outcome I can actually help someone achieve? I don't want you to spin out a mind drama about that, but I think that's really helpful to like see I am the kind of person that can help with these kinds of results. Any questions so far, please put them in the chat. And I'm actually going to ask if you want to come on and discuss how you're feeling about any of your offers. I'm going to offer that in a little bit. The next, you know, how do you feel about the process? This is one that little nuanced differences can make a big shift in your energy. So I'm going to share a detail. When I was really fully booked with clients and I was meeting with my clients every week, the process that I was offering started to feel overwhelming to me. And I just made this little shift that I offered two less calls a month and we met every other week and it opened up my calendar. It made me feel better. My clients didn't feel overwhelmed at the amount of calls we were having. And it was a really good shift for me. So that's why it's funny because you'd think that this is like a logical cerebral activity, but I really want you to pay attention to how you're feeling about each decision you make about your offer because it can lead to greater wisdom and greater clarity and greater alignment with what you're actually doing. How do you feel about the process? And if you feel good, don't change it. I'm not hunting for things to change. We're just doing a quick check-in. So if you feel great about it, don't change anything. How do you feel about the problem solved? And then the biggest one that I think most people spend time with is how do I feel about the price? Once you make a decision, you try it on. How does this feel to me? How does it feel to say this out loud? Could I imagine myself saying this on a consult to someone or writing it on a sales page? The better we feel, the easier it is to talk about. 
if it makes us feel expansive and exciting, if it feels like service, if it feels like this is good for both of us, that's good. One of the little caveats I'm going to put, especially if you've been in the industry for a while, this is mostly for people who may be getting close to fully booked or you are fully booked. One of the things that we can start to experience is a resentment number. This isn't for everyone. When I got started, I charged 50 bucks a session and I felt no resentment. That's how I started. And now that I'm always evaluating, is there this feeling of resentment? And this is very personal to you. But as you get more involved, as you have more clients, there will be times in your business that it is appropriate to raise your price. And I'm always looking for that secret resentment. I would never like express that to a client, but maybe it's like, ah, oh, like I'm fully booked. I have a lot going on. Like the level of client that I'm working with is growing. Is this price outdated? And that's like my little trigger is that that feeling of like that little bit of resentment. How do I feel about the price? Oh, sorry. I just saw the chat. What if my promise is not very direct? Jules, can you put your promise in the chat so I can actually see what your promise is? That would be awesome. Okay, let's keep going with this little series of questions. Do I believe in this P? Yesterday I said, create the life you want. Is it for one-on-one coaching? That's my next question. Do I believe in this P? So yesterday I said, part of our work when we want to have an impact is to believe in people. We did it last night. So if you haven't watched the replay yet, that's okay. I don't expect you to wake up first thing and turn me on. But if you have a chance to watch that replay, and if you were there last night, you know, we talked about part of our work isn't just to believe in money and to believe in possibilities. It's to believe in people and their power, right? Their ability to say yes to your offer, their ability to make a powerful decision. So I would argue that one of the most powerful things you can believe in is your ideal clients coming to you. And if you're worried that people won't get it, you're probably imagining the wrong kind of person. We want to imagine and write to and invite people who get it, who want it, who are a good fit for it, and that we believe in their power to actually take action. So do you believe in your people? Do you believe in the potential clients that you keep writing to? Sometimes I think we get so involved in our head and we also imagine the people who aren't a good fit. We're imagining people who are skeptical. We're imagining people who don't have the money, who are strapped for cash. And like, of course, they're not going to invest in this program. We're imagining people who don't know what they want. And all we need to do is shift and imagine this person who knows what they want, who's ready. And that's just a little shift. Do I believe in this person? Do I believe in my promise? Do I believe in the process? Do I believe in the problem solved? Do I believe in this price? The next one, does this feel easy to talk about? (laughs) I love this question because you're going to have to talk about your offers a lot, especially in the beginning. I'm going to share this, like how I see phases of entrepreneurship in a little bit, especially in the coaching industry. If you're not a coach, that's okay. I think it still applies to most careers. It gets easier to talk about the more you talk about it. And so you want to make this as simple and easy as possible in the beginning, especially if you're not used to making offers. How can you make it simple? How can you make your invitations simple? So that when you talk about it, you're not tripping over your words. You're not trying to say it right. It just feels natural to say. And I think that that comes with some experimentation and some practice. So if you're a brand new or you haven't been making offers as much as you want to, like we talked about, I feel like that's the hardest part of business is right in the beginning. I think it's a lot easier as you gain experience and you're in the game for a little bit. But I think it's just a good question. Like, does this feel easy to talk about? And if not, how can I make it easier? Sometimes I think, especially if we're trying to be very different than other people, or we're trying to like find our little corner of the internet, sometimes we try to use words that are so different than what we see online or, you know, niche ourselves differently than what we've seen. 
that it gets confusing or complicated. And we want to eliminate that because then it'll be even harder for you to get on and talk about it. So we want to make this easy. My next question, which I really like, does this P feel like service? Particularly like the promise, the process, the problem solved and the price. Does it feel like service to make this offer? One of the things that changed my life is I took a course early on in my career by Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins called KBB. I don't think it's called KBB anymore. It was called the Knowledge Broker Blueprint. This just like resonated so deeply for me. He's like, if you don't believe in your offer, you're not going to want to sell it. But if you really believe you have something of value, you will feel compelled to talk about it. And if you don't feel compelled, either you need to change how you're thinking about your offer or you need to do the work so that your offer is valuable. And when I think about it that way, I always like to start with my thoughts because I think in general, most of us discount what we have to say and what we have to offer people. So it's like, you first have to work on the belief, right? Like I have something, my promise, my process, my problem solved is powerful and useful and relevant for my clients. It will change their life. And if I'm not believing that, that's my job, right? I have to believe that so that I feel compelled to talk about it. If you had the cure for cancer, you would be knocking on doors. If you really had the cure for cancer, you would be knocking on doors, telling everyone that you knew. And when we have that conviction, I think it's a lot easier to talk online, in email, in person about what we do. I think when we are in disbelief or doubt, we kind of hide it because I actually don't know. And I just want to offer that you can make this decision right now that you know you have value to add and how you articulate it will change over time. But when you believe that you can at least help, you will try. You will try to let people know. You will try to articulate it in the way that resonates. One of the metaphors that I like to think is like, how do you chop down a tree? You don't chop down a tree with like a single swing of your axe, right? Like you chop down a tree by chipping away, like over and over and over again. I like to think of offers the same way. It's not like you're going to say it in this perfect way one time and have a wait list. <laughs> Clients, that's not how it works. It is this iteration, this evolution as you learn how to talk about it in ways that resonate. And so if you feel like you've shared your offers and nothing is working, that's okay. That is part of the process. And so these five Ps are something that you revisit and tweak over time. My offers have changed so much. And this is actually where I got one of my core tenets of my business, which is we pivot into power. So I've pivoted a lot and I've never made it mean that I'm weak or that I am inconsistent because I choose to pivot into more power, personal power. And so if you feel like you've changed your mind or like maybe you're even like revisiting some of your offers and like, I feel like something needs to change, that's okay. In fact, when we see people, like I think of like Brendan Burchard or Tony Robbins, all these like big coaches, if you were to go back into their story and align with like where you are with where they were at that time in their business, you would see them pivoting. That's how they got to where they are. They got new clarity, new experience, and then they pivoted and tweaked until they got to where they wanted to go. And so I think the worst thing we could do is to judge ourselves for changing our mind or for making updates because that's part of our natural process of growth. Your offers will evolve. And so what I want to offer too is to know what phase of business you are in. I want to share this concept that I have of like the journey of an entrepreneur. And I almost said I'm not an artist, but then I'm just creating that I'm not an artist. I'm an amazing artist. Watch. <laughs> I started as an intern in my business and all of you did because no one is born doing this. We're not naturally gifted at these things. We found out about it and we decided that we wanted it. And so when we begin, we are the intern. 
and we are here to learn. We do not work to earn yet. And so when I was in my intern phase of business, I either worked for free or I got paid 50 bucks in a session. And I think it was such a gift that I wasn't introduced to other people in the industry because I had no idea if it was a good price, a bad price, expensive, not expensive. It just felt good to me. That's why I asked the questions I asked because I think that's a very underrated way to choose your pricing and to choose what you offer. It just felt good. I'm like, it's $50 a session. You can buy chunks at a time because I wasn't trying to make a bajillion dollars. I was trying to learn. I think some of you guys, the internship phase, you go to a certification you work for someone else, you maybe are like me where you just are gritty and got into it. The way that you are getting paid is an experience, not in money. And that is more than okay. I think most people skip this step because most people want to make money and have success, but they skip this very essential phase where they're learning how to actually do it. Offers in the intern phase look like I'm getting more value than you are. So it's discounted or free, right? I'm getting experience. I saw this YouTube video when I was a brand new coach that was like, if I started my coaching business, I would coach a hundred people for free. And I was like, I'm going to do that. And so I positioned it as like, you're helping me by jumping on a call. The offer was help me become a coach. Let me practice on you basically. And I got a ton of people sign up and actually those became my first paying clients. Because I positioned myself as the intern. I wasn't trying to pretend I was more than I was. My offer wasn't too big for my shoes. I've done that before. Where it's like I tried to make this offer because I saw someone else do it. And if I really checked in with my own body and my own thoughts, I was not ready for it. And so I think this is where we get our blinders on. Know what phase you're in and be okay with it. This isn't where you are forever. There's a lot more to go and you will evolve. But I think knowing which phase you're in is very important. Not because you're not good enough. It's just knowing what's going to be the most beneficial for you and your clients. Okay. The next phase is the amateur. (laughs) You're not going to like find them in a book. I just just make these ideas up. And the way that I like to think about this is you're working to experiment. And this phase lasted a long time. For me, a lot of you guys are probably in this or worked for experimentation. So you're trying on a lot of things. You're trying offers. You're trying prices. You're trying niches, you're trying social media or podcasting, and you're not sure if it's going to work. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you get the result that you want and sometimes you don't, right? There's a lot of up and down, lots of waves of emotion, lots of investing in help and support and teaching to figure out what works, what doesn't for you. What are the true principles that I can apply? Offers in this phase, look, maybe a little bit more elevated than the intern, you are starting to make money. You probably have an offer that feels the best that you offer multiple times. For a lot of people, it's one-on-one coaching or a one-on-one offer. Here, where it's like, this feels good. I'm believing more than I've ever believed in my life. I feel like I have a real business, but I also feel like a newbie, (laughs) right? When I think about like an amateur, it's like some days feel really good, some days don't. But I think I'm getting momentum. The next phase I like to consider the pro. I have a program called the Pro Coach. Some of you have taken it with me, which is so awesome. And so when I think of the pro, it's like I start to expect it to work. And now at this phase, I am working to earn. I expect to make money. I know I'm going to make money. I trust myself to make money. 
my offers are with the expectation that I'm going to make money from them. It's not to see if it works. It's trusting I have a track record from my amateur and internship phases. My offers here feel empowering. I trust them. Maybe my prices are a little higher than other people in the phases below me. Not because it's better. It's just that's what you're expecting. That's the value that you're bringing, the impact that you can have. And it's a very different focus. Like, I think that this is where that threshold comes from. Like, last night we talked about planting seeds. There's this threshold where it's like, oh, like, now I get to harvest all the seeds I've been planting. The timeline between these three, I don't know for you. I don't know. (laughs) But I know that if you stick with it, you will move through them, especially if you're willing to experiment a lot for what works for you. My hope for all of you is that you experiment a lot. Use true principles, like the five P's making offers. And we'll talk a little bit more about making offers, but don't be afraid to try things. The way that I learned the most was to actually try and risk rejection, failure, looking dumb. I remember the first time I launched a program and one person bought the program. It was supposed to be a group program. And I learned so much from that time. I would never want to discard that experience. Even at the time that I felt a little humiliated and frustrated, I saw the bigger context, right? I saw this little outline in my mind. I'm like, this isn't who I'm going to be forever. I'm going to learn valuable things here from this offer that I will use to create this period of time where I'm earning in the future. So don't be afraid of experimentation. Then last phase that I think we see a lot is like work for leverage, work into leverage, work that becomes leverage. It's not just making money. It's like where you put in a little bit of time and you get exponential returns. The word that I wrote down was the CEO, where it's like you are the owner. You have undeniable proof that what you do works, that people want what you have. Maybe this is where people hire other people to work for them. You have a group program that sells out or a membership or things like that. And this is what's interesting. I made the mistake, and many of you probably have too, where you observe an entrepreneur in their CEO phase and you observe what they are doing and you try to do it in your amateur phase. I've done this. I launched a membership. So I don't know if anyone on here is in this membership a few years ago for like 30 bucks a month with a 600 person Instagram and a like 150 person email list thinking I was going to like scale and do all these things that I saw these other people doing. And I was like, I'm committed. I'll take the time it takes. I don't care. That's okay. And I got burned out so fast because what actually needed to happen, I was ready to work to earn. I was not ready to create leverage. And so earning looks like maybe higher prices for one-on-one, filled out groups, things like that. It just looks a little bit different. I don't think there's rules. I think knowing what phase you're in will help you also with the expectations that you have about your offers and also to pick the math that makes sense. I think I charged 30 bucks a month or something. And I had 15 people join the first month. And I was like, oh my gosh, if it doubles every month, I was doing all these funny math equations in my head. (laughs) I'll be making $30,000 in a year or something like that. I can't even remember. It's funny now because I was not ready for that kind of offer. Not that it's bad. It's just the math didn't make sense. And so the reason I like this little scale is to know what offers go where. I think one-on-one goes in the intern phase for sure. Getting experience, hands-on. I still do one-on-one. I consider myself moving into the CEO phase of business. And I still do one-on-one because I love it. I think the difference is 
this work to learn. I'm not doing one-on-one work to learn how to do one-on-one work. I'm still creating lots of different offers. My business is working. If you're looking at a scale, I don't know where I am. I want to offer that doesn't really matter. I think it's understanding the theory of like that there are phases of your business where some things are going to work and some things aren't going to work and that's okay. I had so many failures in this phase, but I didn't make it mean that I was a failure, that I wasn't cut out for this business, that my offers weren't good. It meant I had some things to learn and that's okay. And so your offers will evolve with you as you move through these phases. The pricing, the process will be elevated as you grow and that's okay. So I wasn't embarrassed to charge $50 in the beginning because I'm like, this is the phase that I'm in. I think sometimes people try to choose prices because that's what they see other people do, or maybe their coach tells them this is what you should charge and it doesn't feel good. That's why I ask you this question. Do I believe in this P? How do I feel about this P? Regardless of what I see online, regardless of what my peers are doing, how do I feel about this price? Does this price, does this process, does this person that I'm speaking to, does it feel easy to talk about? My offer in the beginning felt so easy because I'm like, it's $50 a session. You can buy six at a time. (laughs) And I think I said, I'm going to take your life to the next level or something like that. I'm going to help you with your mindset. I would say broad things and it worked. I had people booking calls because I wasn't trying to be someone I wasn't. I was honest about where I was, believing in possibilities. And this is where we get to bring in some of the things that we've been talking about because I always had big ideas. I remember just learning from people who were at the CEO level. And I was like, that is so cool. I want that one day. And then I got back to work on the phase that I was at. I kept the big vision and my offers made sense. This is where we keep our feet on the ground. Because I think some people, they hear about mindset work and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, like your head's in the clouds. Like, oh, you're delusional. Oh, it's big picture thinking or whatever. And this is where I like to combine big picture thinking with practical action. I think your offers in alignment with whatever phase you're in will help you feel better because you're not like saying my dreams will never come true. This big vision that I have will never happen. It's like I'm making those big dreams happen by doing the work today and getting real life experience. I don't think anything can take the place of actually talking to clients and actually getting data from offers. And by data, I mean rejection (laughs) or people's buying it. Like that's the awesome part. But also I think you get a lot of data from people not loving your offers. You're like, oh, people don't like this. Doesn't mean that I'm bad. Doesn't mean that I can't do this. It means this offer, you really have to separate this. Some offers will flop. That does not mean you are flopping or that you are cut out for this. It means this offer was not great. I was thinking of some product just randomly before this call. Products flop a lot, and even from big companies, and that's okay. They're like, oh, the market didn't like this. They're not like, I'm a bad person. And the way that I like to distinguish this, like I think when it's our business, we think business rejection is a rejection of us. And I really want you to see when you create an offer, it's almost like you're going to the, like, the bake sale at school and you're like, I need brownies. And someone's like, I don't like brownies. And you're like, oh, you don't like me. I'm bad. Like, no, I, just, I literally just don't like brownies. Like That's how you have to see it. And I think that's when we think of experimentation, it helps take the sting out of rejection, if that's something you struggle with, or the worry out of rejection. It's like, I'm just seeing if people like brownies and I'm going to put it out there. And if they buy it, I'll know to make more. I'll know to keep selling it. The other thing that I wanted to mention with that is that sometimes you make one offer You're like, I have this great idea. I'm going to talk about it. And then no one buys. And you're like, yep, no one bought in the first four hours. It sucks. (laughs) Anyone done this? I've totally done this. I'm like, 
I was so excited and no one said anything in the first three hours. So therefore, it is a failure. When we make offers, we have to commit to really giving our all. I think we really underestimate how much it takes for some people. Last night, I talked about this lighthouse idea and some people are going to find you and they are like 10 miles from the shore and they see you over there shining your light. And it's going to take them a little bit to get close enough to actually say like you are for me. And so our job is to keep making offers, shining our light, saying we're open for business until people are ready to say yes. Most people aren't ready in the first day that you invent a new offer that you share about what you do. A lot of times it takes some nurturing. Like I said, this is not a get rich quick masterclass week, (laughs) but this is like a for sure thing if you're willing to stay in it. So if you're willing to commit to making offers until you get some data and to tweak how you say it and the words that you use until you get some data, which is people booking a consult or people asking about it or clicking the sales page, there's lots of ways to track. You have to be committed. And we talked about earlier in this week, like commitment does not mean the first sign of it not working, you're out. It means when it's not working, you even get more committed. You're like, I'm willing to figure this out. Sorry, I just saw your chat, Cindy. When most fail, as you did with your first group, they don't pivot, they give up. Yes, exactly. That's perfect for what we're talking about. It's like this, we'll see if this works. We'll see if I can do this. And if I don't, then I will just do something else or I'll keep learning. I'll go back and learn more. (laughs) And in my opinion, that's a mistake because the best way to learn is to dive into this phase of the experimentation and the trying. If one offer doesn't work, it doesn't mean much about you. doesn't mean that you're not cut out for this, that you're not entrepreneurial you're not a good salesperson. It literally means you're just in this phase of business where you're learning how to make offers. And one of the things that I recommend is to make lots of offers. And this is going to feel intimidating, especially if you're kind of like one of those soft offer people. I used to do this all the time. Like, yeah, let me know. Link in bio. (laughs) If you want to learn more about that, DM me if you have questions. Instead of really owning that you have something valuable No matter what phase you're in, I want to offer that there is value to be shared. And the best way to learn how to make offers is to make them. It's not to learn about them. So even though I love that you're here, I'm so glad that you are and that you're learning about offers. Literally, the best thing you could do today is actually to go make an offer today before you're ready. If you have an offer that you've been selling, try talking about it in a different way. Try actually going through all five Ps and talking about the value of each one. This is who I work with and why. This is the kind of person I'm imagining in this program or one-on-one. These are the outcomes that I help people create. This is the problem I help you solve. Maybe you don't have any energy in your life and I help you get energy. Maybe you are always fighting with your spouse and I help you stop fighting. This is how we work together. This is how many calls we have. This is why I decided on 12 weeks. And then this is the price. And I know that someone can use this. And this is why I'm here today. If you have any questions, let me know. Or you can book a consult with me using the link in my bio. That is a thorough offer using your own words and using your own five Ps. It is not learn more here. We do those kinds of offers as well. But I think there's some times where it's like we really have to actually put ourselves out there. It is vulnerable to make offers, which is why we don't do it. It feels like death. (laughs) Because someone might say, I don't want this. You're so salesy. Oh, you've changed. Like I used to follow you because of all the value, but all you do is promote your program. We're afraid of these things. 
where we have the fear is where our growth is. There's a beautiful quote, and now I can't remember who it is. If you know who this quote is by, put it in the chat. Like the cave that you are afraid to enter has the treasures you seek. So if you are very afraid of making offers, that is exactly where your growth is. You could learn about it or you could go do it. You could keep pontificating about all sorts of things. You could keep doing inner work. And this is where I really bridge the gap between like belief work and action because you can't just sit at home and do imagination and do self-coaching or watch another training and not make an offer and get better at offers. You have to make them. And so all of this to be said, you're going to evolve, you're going to grow. And the only way that you're going to grow is by actually putting it out there. There is no ready. And so do it before you're ready. That's my encouragement for you. So now with the time we have left, I want to bring someone on who feels stuck about an offer, who wants clarity, maybe something sparked a question. Just go ahead and raise your hand if you are wanting to volunteer to be on the hot seat. And we will do this in real time answer your questions or get any support that you want. Anyone feeling brave? Anyone feel like it's me? Yes, Jules, come on. And then Cindy will get to you. All right. Thank you. Yes. What came up for you? I'm like, not ready. <laughs> so much came up to me. Give me a little brain dump. That's totally fine. Well, my kind of struggle with this niche thing, which I know it's a belief system and all of that. It's just that I feel I have so much to offer and perhaps maybe I am kind of like pivoting, but mm -hmm. maybe not permitting myself to pivot. Because so I've been a self-employed entrepreneur for 20 years, except I had like that brick and order business and international franchises, because that was my American dream. Like, I feel like I have a story and I've done it, except I wasn't following any principles. I was just like doing it. Yeah. That's why when people ask me like, well, you asked what you should coach for, like what's there to coach? You just pack the U-hole and you start it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I feel like, oh, that would be like really cool to like do something with that realm for people who are thinking about something like that. But then I think I go into my like, oh, I'm just going to be small here. And I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, I think I want to go there because I think what I'm going for is I like to work with women who has a drive, has a purpose. I don't just want to like with every woman or like with moms or something. And moms maybe also have that drive. Like maybe that's what I want to like bring it out in them. And yeah, let's follow the dream. Yeah. I don't know how to like put it all. Yeah. So I like to think of almost like an umbrella identity because I used to say I worship with moms. And then one time I realized like if someone came to me and said, can you help me? Because I used to help with like, my niche was I help stay at home moms with their business because that's how I was, right? Like I resonated with that's how I got started when I pivoted into business coaching. And then I realized the umbrella identity is not moms. The umbrella identity that I'm working with is online business owners. And so I wonder what's the umbrella identity? Is it moms or is it someone who wants this dream that you talked about? They want something more. I guess what's coming up is the high achieving women. Like where I am circling around is the high achieving women creating the life they want without feeling like they need to sacrifice their well-being, mm -hmm. right? Something like that or something like a conscious creator. That's what comes mm -hmm. up. Like you talk about a lot, create the life by default or you can consciously create, but you feel like you're stuck and you know, all those beliefs like you talk to us about 
they're just not supporting you. <laughs> yeah. And since I kind of have like a sort of a track record, I guess, it's just I don't talk about it. And that's going to be my growth, how to talk about it. Because I guess I'm trying to go online because the place is known and unknown. <laughs> but I haven't had any clients from online. That's what I can tell you. But I'm not really intentional about it either. So yet. Right. That's what you're creating. Yeah. Yeah. Because I get stuck on this, like, you know, 150 words, what I'm going to put there. Like, who am I? What am I yeah. doing? What's so, my message? The, yeah. So that's something that I looked at a long time. I have no idea what my bio says right now. I realize like who I am cannot be niched. This is something that is a good distinction. My offers can be. So I think instead of trying to identify what identity do you want to bring to the world, let's niche an offer. Mm-hmm. Let's articulate just the offer. So when you think about the five P's, it seems like you have some of the P's outlined. Like, do you know your price? Yeah. Do you know how long you work with them? Yes. Okay. What so pro- I do I like three months or six months mm-hmm. and I three months for 3,000, six months for 5,000. And right now, all the clients I have, they all come from my surrounding of the previous business and other little things. Mm-hmm. So they do come from places known and unknown, just not from social media yet. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It's already so, working. You just want to work at different channels. That's okay. Yeah. And it seems like what I am attracting of who my people are right now, it's like I help them step into their power and then from that power to create their authentic you. And then from that authentic you place, it's kind of like they just go and do things. <laughs> what do they do? Well, they feel better about themselves. They have better relationships. And like my favorite one that I work with, and she's my renewed one for also six months after three months, she's the one who has a lot of potential and she's the mom mm-hmm. and she wants to create. So, and yeah. that's the one that really... Yeah, so it sounds like you're a general life coach. Well, I am, but I don't... Then I don't know what to talk about. It's like, Mr. I talk about everything. You can talk about everything. <laughs> If yeah. I wasn't a business coach, I would totally be a general life coach because like, I can coach you on anything. And instead of letting that be something that makes you confused, it helps you be more powerful. And then you have content about relationships and money and authentic self and knowing yourself, financial success, fulfillment. Just basically talk about everything and be okay with that. Yeah. I just feel like maybe where my belief is, what the thought comes up. When I talk about everything, where am I going with all of this? Like, I don't know. That's why the purpose-driven, that's kind of like I get stuck because it's purpose-driven, like we're going somewhere. I think one-on-one coaching is powerful about is that it's very personal. So if you're doing one-on-one coaching, it's a personal purpose. It has to do with the client in front of you. Do you have like any groups or something like that? Is that what's confusing? No, I don't have a group. I played with groups. Yes. I did have a little group. Yeah. So I'm going to give you an example. In my group programs, it is geared towards like online coaches. Like that's kind of what it's for. But I had a one-on-one client that was like a luxury real estate agent. The group isn't for her, but my one-on-one is. I want you to see that you're not niching yourself. You're niching your different offers. So that when someone gets on a consult with you, you're like, yeah, let's figure out what your purpose is. And I'm going to help you create that. This is where I think going a little bit broader in your offers is okay. I help you step into your purpose, clarify what that even means, figure out what you actually want. And then we create a plan and you get it. That is a powerful offer. And how do I do that? I do that in 12 weeks or we work together for six months. 
I coach you on your mindset, on your beliefs every week. And then you start taking massive action towards what you've discovered you wanted, what you've decided you wanted. That's coaching in a nutshell. And that works. It's kind of like they stop dreaming and we're just revoking that in them and stepping into that purpose. One of my first higher ticket one-on-one offers was called Ignite Your Life. That's what I called it. And it was very general. It was general until I was talking to a client and then it became all about what they wanted to create. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I like I still had the five P's, right? Like the kind of person, someone who wanted more out of their life, who was ready to take action, who was tired of where they were at, who wanted one-on-one coaching. The promise was ignite your life. <laughs> like take your life to the next level. Take your mindset, your beliefs, your habits to the next level. Stop feeling stuck. Stop feeling confused. That was the problem I was solving. The price was $7,000 and the process mm-hmm. was one-on-one coaching for six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah. Now don't take my offer. I don't. That's no, the, I'm, yeah. I'm just. Yeah. I want I you just, to just see yeah. it works. I think sometimes we want to be so specific, but general offers one- are great, especially mm-hmm. for one-on-one mm-hmm. because then you're just trying to get people on a consult with you to talk about their life. And then the offer becomes about their life. Okay. So yeah, just more like custom tailored approach to what yes. they bring into the discovery session or whatever. Okay. Yes. yes. So yeah, I just need to pivot my belief that this is what it is <laughs> and it could work. And then right. it's working, right? The it's general working. offers are not bad, especially for one-on-one. They can be perfect. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Jules. Cindy, Amber, I'll have to catch you next time or maybe on Slack. Okay. Megan, that's powerful, Amber. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else have something that they want to work on about their offer or clarity? And if you can't come on, that's okay. You can type it as well. Okay. I'll always oh, hello. I didn't know you're here. Hello. Nobody says anything unless somebody else wants it. It's you. Okay. Let's just talk for a second about this idea that you just said that it was general until I was talking to a client, then it became a specific for them. For one-on-one coaching, I think that's a really great way to say Yeah, like that seems like such a powerful concept. And so when you speak about that, then how do you talk to the people in your marketing, like for real, and like have it be focused and clear of what the result is and stuff like that? I like combining a few things. One is telling stories because then you do have something specific to talk about. And also like concepts, like self-concept would be an example. I'll use that for my real estate agent client. I happen to be talking about self-concept and seeing yourself a certain way, a coaching tool, right? I was sharing about a coaching tool and she's like, I think I could use this. Like, can we chat more about it? And I was like, yes, we can chat more about it. And then on the consult call, we talked about her self-concept as a luxury real estate agent. And then I talked about that's what we would do together for the six months. And then we talked about the offer. So it was like principle, concept, stories, helpful ideas. I really love stories. I think that's a really powerful way to talk about what you do. People can see themselves in the story and then making invitations to talk to you about what that could look like for you personally. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And so I've kind of gone the other route. And so maybe you can just help me. Like I coach on time basically, but I know the result they're getting is so much more than that. And so what do people come to you for though? They come to me because they're on the verge of burnout. Yeah. So here's another concept I want you to consider. Like they don't feel like they have enough time. They don't feel like they're present. 
yeah. So like, let's consider this iceberg. If they're coming to you for burnout, what I would do is talk about stories, principles, coaching tools that relate to burnout in different ways, right? Because they're going to get everything else. This is an example I always give for myself. Like one-on-one for me is about so much. I coach on everything that you could coach on in one-on-one, but what people come to me for is to make more money in their business. Okay. And so you might say people come to me when they're burned out and you give them self-concept work, belief work, paradigm shifting, all the magic that you give them. It's almost like this is what they see because that's what they're experiencing. They're experiencing burnout or like lack of time management. Yeah. It's not so much lack of time management. It's just like they want to do it all and they're stressed and pressured and it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So like, if you think about the five P's for you, it'd be like the problem you solve is that they are burning out and it's not sustainable. How would you articulate what they want? They want to be able to do it all with ease. Do it all with ease. That's what they want. I love that. That's so clear. And then everything they get when they come in your world, because people want it to be simple, right? Like they want to like get what you do. And so I think if they're like, oh, like you help people on the verge of burnout, this isn't sustainable. You pivot and then create a whole new reality. Like that makes sense to me versus Mm -hmm. I help you with your self-concept. And you can talk about that when you're actually talking to a client, but I think it can be confusing when you're trying to say everything that you do to everyone, it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. And then like what you've said in the past is I can just trust that anybody who resonates with whatever, even if it's not burning out, they'll yes. still come. Yes. Yeah. And it's because I get like, oh no, if I like say just the one thing, then somebody else might not come that yep. would resonate, but I can just trust that they'll come yes. because they want the light. Yes. I'm going to use a Taylor Swift example because you and I were talking about Taylor Swift. I saw this on a post, thought it was so good. How to channel your Taylor Swift lyric writing in your marketing or something like that. When she sings a song about a specific man and it's not your husband or it's not someone you would even be interested in, but you still sing it out loud. Why? Because it's captivating. You still like it. That's how you want to think. Even if they don't resonate with that specific story about burnout, they might still resonate with you and that's okay. You can trust that. Okay. Uh, Thank you. Yes. I'm brand new to coaching and sometimes get stuck when trying to attract the soul aligned clients because I feel like it's not fully clear who I'm trying to call in because I haven't done it yet. So I can't ask myself, who do I call in? I'm curious if you resonate with what I said earlier about like, are you the niche or are you trying to help someone that's not something you identify with? I'm wondering if you identify with more of like the coach mentor. I resonate with the coach mentor. I like to help people who have been in past versions of me, right? Or at least phases of business that I've been in. That might be useful to you if you think about yourself as the niche. I feel like I'm the first one where I am the niche. Yes. So if you imagine someone who's going through what you used to go through, what does soul align mean there? Like we talked about more broad. It's like they're struggling with their mindset or their limiting beliefs. They're struggling to believe that there's something that's possible for them and they want support. Maybe they're just learning that they can create something different, like that there's another option available and you like help them bridge the gap. What coaching is, is we bridge the gap between where we are and where we want to go. Or another way I like to say it is like, well, people talk to me and their life changes in the good ways. <laughs> and we can't put that on a you know a post and like people book a consult. This is why I believe in sharing stories. I believe in giving tools, giving people value ahead of time in conjunction with our offers, right? So that people know, oh, she's helping me on social media in her emails. And there's another place I can go to get more support from her. And she's talked about that offer before. 
And like I mentioned, like this isn't a one and done. I wish it was. I wish it was. You swing the axe and the tree falls down. You put one post out, talk about your offer one time and you get a wait list. Like that would be cool. It's just not the reality. And so my encouragement for you, I think your name is Iva. Yep. Iva is to consider that maybe it's talking about in a lot of different ways, not just one way, lots of different things that you used to struggle with and giving them tools and solutions and powerful principles of success. And then including calls to action about your offer. I hope that that makes sense. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Like I mentioned, the best way to do this is to actually go and make an offer and not just learn or journal or reflect on this, but to like actually go try. So that is your homework. If you want to call it that, your challenge is to actually go make an offer and to tweak it and to test it. The bonus point is, is if you use what you talked about earlier this week with the belief and the potentiality first. So like what I like to do before I actually write an offer to get inspired, I love thinking about inspired, meaning in spirit. I was imagining it done and someone truly resonating with my work, feeling like this offer was for them and they're excited. How would I write about this? And then I write it. I don't just sit down and try to force it. I really try to tap into that. Like there's someone out there using my imagination like we talked about last night that is going to resonate, that is going to be excited about this. What would it feel like if it was done, if she already said yes? And then I write. That's my encouragement for you. All right, bye. Hey, I hope you loved and resonated with today's episode. If you did, I know you'd love to be a member of my community in The Matrix. It's where we combine business savvy with the inner work where I help you build your business in a way that actually feels aligned to you and allows you to create the impact, money, and success you want. Find out more and join at itsambersmith.com forward slash matrix. I'll see you inside.